Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. Good afternoon, everyone. This is obviously not Kanoa Leahy. This is obviously Let's Talk Sports. I am Tanner Hayworth here to help you guys. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> if you guys didn't know. Yes, Tanner Hayworth here helping out to fill in for Kanoa Leahy. Alongside me, I got Hunter Hughes, on-field reporter for Hawaii Football. He also does a bunch of podcasts like Hawaii Football Now, uh, Shakas and Swings. He does all that on ESPN Honolulu. Hunter, What's how up, have you man? been? You've been on, you've been on a recent vacation, too. Definitely. Uh, need to stretch my legs. Uh, got a little island fever and uh, get off the rock for a little bit, but it's good to be home. That's ha- awesome. Yeah, Happy New Year, bro. How was your How was your holiday? You know, pretty mu- a lot of the same. <laughs> you know, someone has to help, you know, have the station go through what it has to go through. But other than that, had some friends in town, had my brother in town from uh, Boulder. So when I did have the free time, we had, uh, you know, he had to go out there, spend some time, there go up go. to North Shore, find some beaches, do some good stuff. But had a great time. Uh, if we want to talk about guys who are going to be having some great times this weekend, uh, definitely not Josh Pacheco over there helping us in the control room as he has to watch his Green Bay Packers not be in the playoffs. Dang, shots after fired. That, after that loss to the Detroit Lions. Tan Man just handing out L's. When's the last time the Packers been swept by the Lions in a season? How about that? Huh? Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm going to refrain from uh, any comment here as the resident Bears fan in the studio. I really don't have a leg to stand on in this convo. Um, but, uh, Josh, feel free to chime in if you feel like it. As we said yesterday, uh, I'm okay. And that's fine, you know? <laughs> Licking the wounds. I mean, like, here, I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I really don't think they should be in the playoffs, but, hey, they're there because they're better than the Panthers, Falcons, and the Saints. But for much of the league, they can say the same. And – Obviously, you're talking about NFL playoffs this weekend. A lot's going on on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Looking at all of the matchups, I mean, is there a team in the playoffs that you're looking forward to watch? Maybe maybe even go down? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, the uh, the easy answer there is the Cowboys. <laughs> um, Me too. They, they, they have always just come in so strong to the playoffs, and someone lays an egg. Right. Uh, Famously, a couple years back, whenever Dak uh, did not manage the clock effectively and they just watched the clock go to zero, Uh, I'm looking at them. I think there's some sleepers out there, though. I think the Jaguars are really hot right now. That's going to be a fun one. Um, They're really exciting to me. I'm praying hard that Tua is healthy. Uh, And with everything that's gone down with – with health issues for many players, you know, with the DeMar Hamlin thing happened a couple weeks back, and obviously Tua's uh, continued concussion protocol throughout the year, they're not going to take any chances with him. So, But, you know, they are a better, much better team whenever he's on the field. Yeah, you probably wouldn't see that, what was it, 11-6 to win over the Jets last week for them to get into the playoffs. That's right. With uh, Skylar Thompson. Due to Teddy Bridgewater once again getting hurt. Shout out! To I feel like that was that was a theme for the Miami Dolphins this year, where a backup comes in and then they get hurt, and then the third string comes in, and yeah. it happened pretty much every single game at that point. Whenever mm-hmm. a backup had to go in, but the, oh yeah, the, go the, yeah, no, the, the the other one that I'm really looking at is actually the Dolphins' opponent, the Bills. I 
that they're going to be very tough to beat this postseason with the kind of rallying cry and togetherness that that team has with everything surrounding the DeMar Hamlin situation. Everybody rocking that three on their jersey, that they have something to play for beyond just a Super Bowl. It's bigger than just them. They're my new pick to take down the Chiefs. I really think that from the AFC. Well, they're also looking to get revenge on the Chiefs from yeah. last year. With yep. I remember watching that game. I remember watching every single touchdown that happened, whether it be from Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and then Patrick Mahomes again in overtime to finish the game. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that offseason or right after that game start ended, you saw that whole clamoring of, oh, overtime. Oh, overtime sucks. We need to change overtime, all that stuff. Yeah. If you're the Buffalo Bills this year, you're probably trying to find a game plan to make sure that this game goes nowhere near overtime. Yeah, it's it's a much different situation. Kansas City still, I think they might be leading the league in scoring without Tyreek Hill, which is a testament to Andy Reid and his innovation with that offense. Um, but yeah, if I'm the Bills, I'm trying to figure out a way to get the ball in our hands last right? and give Josh Allen a chance to go down and win the game for him. Well, if you're the Bills, I mean, do you think of that more as try to score as much as possible, you know, try to score every time you touch the ball? Or are you trying to find a way to efficiently score, take off as much clock as possible? Because if you're the Buffalo Bills, the one thing that you don't really have is that kind of elite ball carrier Mm -hmm. or a ball carrier that you can trust. Because last week you had Devin Singletary, who did fumble in a very clutch moment. And fortunately for him, nothing bad came of it. But other than him, you also have the rookie from Georgia, James Cook. If these are the guys you're relying on to make sure that the, you know, you you try to get rid of as much clock as possible, Mm. it's going to be a little worrisome in my opinion. But... It seems that whenever whenever they're lacking in the rushing game, Josh Allen says, oh, okay, don't worry. I got it, guys. Yeah. I can run it myself. I'm a big 6'7 tower. Big I can take as much hits as possible. And he'll just somehow find a way to win the game. He almost did it last year. Yeah. I mean, if he had the ball, there was a ch- there's probably a chance that you know, they had a chance to answer back. Maybe they could have kept that overtime going forever and ever and ever. Yeah, whoever had the ball last in that game was going to win. It's just the the matter of, of, of fact there. If uh, you have a thought or a text about the NFL playoffs, hit us, hit us up, 808-296-1420. We'd love to uh, talk story with you on this fine Tuesday afternoon. And then when you're looking at the rest of the NFL playoffs, I think something that a lot of people in Hawaii are going to be definitely watching is the first game on the menu on Saturday at 1130. Yeah. Is that Seahawks 49ers game? Because that's probably going to be your divided, the house divided. You got your Seahawks fans. You got your 49ers fans. You know, you got two quarterbacks that are looking to prove themselves. You have Geno Smith, who is on the back end of his uh, revitalization. Yeah. Where he's looking like he has what? He has the franchise record for most passing yards for a Seattle Seahawk. He's definitely silenced a lot of the doubters that have come for him because everyone's like, oh, put Drew Locke in. You know, maybe he's yeah. the answer. And it turns out he found a way to get the Seahawks back into the playoffs. Yeah. You know, he's kind of the new Ryan Tannehill finding a a second half to his career. But he doesn't have to hand off to Derrick Henry. That that's true. He, he doesn't. Um, I, there are a few like Mr. Henry down there in, uh, in Tennessee, but that, that, that's going to be a great matchup between the Seahawks and 49ers. And 
I think with the the surge of Brock Purdy and his ability to manage that offense, just get it into his playmakers' hands, that defense is probably one of the best defenses in all of football, uh, right up there with uh, with the Eagles, in my opinion. So they're going to be very hard to beat, and yeah, they're they're my my sleeper for the NFC to I'll- to make it through. I love that. You know, I see we have someone on the phone line right now. Kevin, let's go out to Kevin. How are you doing, Kevin? Hey, pretty good, guys. So, um, 49ers got the best defense in football, period. And I trust me, I'm not a 49ers fan. I'm a Steelers fan. But the Eagles are okay, but the 49ers are in another world right now from a defensive standpoint. And that's not going to be a close game. I like the Seattle story, but we're not going to be within 10 points at the end of that game. That being said, I, I think the Bungles, who I can't stand, got screwed <laughs> by the NFL. Yeah, I mean, they absolutely got screwed by the NFL on this makeup, you know, rules for how we're going to handle the playoffs, even based off of what it happened to DeMar Hamlin, which was right. horrific. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he's a pick kid. I watched him for five years. He's from that area. He's a great kid. Um, and that's just not a national media thing. That's because I've paid attention to him for all these years. Mm. But they screwed Cincinnati um, out of a rule they just put on a book three years ago saying this is what we do if this happens. So hey, that all being said, I think that you're looking at the Bills um, in the Super Bowl, probably against 49ers, mm. and the Bills win because I think Josh is going to go after what he lost last year. Plus yep. it's one of those stories that has to be told now that, you know, with the Hamlin piece of it. Real quick on uh, – Mike, Mike Tomlin, because, again, I'm a Steelers fan, and I've been calling you guys on and off for the last four or five years preaching the story. 17 series seasons in Pittsburgh. You know how many Super Bowl, how many playoff appearances he has where he has a winning record that year in the playoffs? No. Four. How many? So can, four. Four. So can we please end the ridiculous conversation that Mike Tomlin's an elite coach just because he has – 17 non-losing seasons. He's had top 10 talent every single year he's been there. He won a Super Bowl in his second year with a veteran-laden team that he inherited, and he barely won that Super Bowl, by the way. Let's not forget, greatest play, defensive play in Super Bowl history, 101-yard return by Harrison. Mm-hmm. He catch right. at the end, drive at the end, and then he turned around and he blew a Super Bowl against Green Bay with an idiotic game plan. Mike Tomlin is not an elite coach, and he doesn't deserve head coach of the year discussion this year like Mike Lombardo and some other knuckleheads are saying. <laughs> they played the worst string quarterbacks probably in NFL history the last seven weeks of the season. They're all second and third stringers, and they barely got to 9-8. and eight. He's had 17 years and four seasons that he had a winning record right. in the playoffs. Didn't make it six times, and seven times he won 0-1. So, for God's sake, please stop. And the, he'll get a co- he would get a job immediately. Good. Let him go be average someplace else. <laughs> Got it. I want to win championships or be competing for it. Got Ke- it. Kev, thank you so much for yeah. the call, man. The uh, playoff talks and uh, hot take on Mike Tomlin. You know, as soon as I didn't even realize it until we said hi to Kevin, but what I see on the on the on the screen is Kevin playoff slash Mike Tomlin. I should have known who this was immediately because we've had, like he said, he's been calling on, on and off the last couple of years, and you know I gotta I gotta disagree with Kevin. I'm still a Mike Tomlin guy. It takes a lot, a lot. It's hard to win in this in this league. 
to win and at this consistent level. Sure, some of those quote-unquote winning seasons, I think some were 8-8 eight and eight, uh, back when that was still possible, back to the good old days um, <laughs> before the 17-week season. But, um, you know, there's a lot as an NFL coach that you have to do. Yeah, sure, there were a lot of backups that he had to play. But then you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers – and they've had to deal with injuries probably as well as much as any other teams. You look at Kenny Pickens, two concussions. Yep. You look at TJ Watt, who only played, what, four or five games this season. Mm-hmm. So you try to go out there, play without your best defensive player. Traded at, away like, Claypool. Traded away Claypool, which honestly yep. was probably a net positive for them because, what, they get the 32nd overall pick in the draft this year for a guy that, you know, didn't really do anything in Chicago. No. And his Do you want him back? Well, his, we'll give you back Claypool. Take him. I think they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> they got they got um what's his name from uh Georgia? Pickens. They got Pickens, Deontay. I think Mike Tomlin's doing a good old job. He hasn't done anything bad. I think the worst thing he ever did was uh walk onto the field when Jacoby Jones was returning that touchdown once and stopped him, played defense by himself there. <laughs> but, yeah, I think Mike Tomlin's done, you know, a pretty bang-up job, not to keep, you know, banging it on the head for Kevin, but yeah, I don't I, think there's really anything that I've seen where I've thought, oh, what a terrible job by Mike Tomlin. I guess I could say what his coordinators do, because I'm not necessarily a fan of what Matt Canada has done, especially this year as offensive coordinator. But I think as the next season goes on, I'm a big believer in Kenny Pickett as well. So, yeah, I mean, not to say that, oh, he needs time to develop his young quarterback, but, yeah, he needs time to develop his young quarterback here. A guy that another big talent, Ben Roethlisberger, has gone out to say he's the real deal. Mm. Big Ben likes Kenny after That's he so outwardly praise. went against Kenny yeah. back when they first drafted him. Well, because Ben wasn't quite done yet. No. Um, but yeah, Tomlin's a, a big culture guy, uh, a big uh, kind of character, uh, no-nonsense type of a leader, the way that he runs his organization. Uh, but I, you know, I get the... The frustration, Kevin. Uh, I, I share that frustration as a Chicago Bears fan. Uh <laughs> It it's only uh, palatable to be mediocre for for so long. He probably so, wanted them to be bad so we can get a better draft pick. Yeah, he probably I mean, wanted Paris Johnson or Peter Skaronsky. Now he has to deal with uh, Broderick Jones, the probably number three or number four offensive tackle this year in the NFL draft. But I won't bore anyone with the NFL draft talk. <laughs> I've already started my own research going on to that. Hey, let's talk pizza. Domino's Hawaii's here fighting pizza in here. <laughs> They're not fighting pizza with you. They're fighting inflation with you. Let's Talk Sports is brought to you by Domino's Pizza of Hawaii. We deliver aloha. Let's Talk Sports. Tanner Hayworth alongside... Hunter Hughes bringing you through your lunch hour. We were talking NFL playoffs last segment. We had a nice little talk about Mike Tomlin. Uh, thanks to Kevin on our uh, hotline. You can call us 808-296-1420. Call us, text us there. They, you know how to reach us. Um, NFL playoffs, we can, we're can. we going to continue on that talk. And this is 
me and Hunter kind of talking off air, we're both looking forward to game number two on the Saturday slate. That is the L.A. Chargers versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's right. The Jacksonville Jaguars did clinch the AFC South uh, last Saturday when they beat the Tennessee Titans. So you've got Justin Herbert on his first ever time into the NFL playoffs. Hmm. And you got year number two and his first trip to the NFL playoffs in Trevor Lawrence. Uh, a nice little matchup of some of the young budding stars of the NFL. Hunter, what what are you looking at when you see this matchup? Yeah, it, the verdict is officially out that Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. I feel like he has enough of a body of work to prove that he can win and surviving that tumultuous year last year with Urban Meyer at the helm for the Jaguars. It just is really good to see them steered in the right direction with Peterson as their head coach. They're very interesting to me right now. They've won, I believe they won five out of their last six to clinch a playoff berth with this, uh, this uh, wild card wild card game against the chargers. Then obviously we've got a huge chargers fan base here right. in the islands. They, they all know what, what they're getting with this squad. It, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a great game. I think when you look at the Jaguars this season, there was a lot to either be expected to be disappointed by, but I think a lot of their players made up for it. You look at Travis Etienne. Would he make sense as a running back duo with James Robinson? Well, they said, okay, we'll ship Robinson. Etienne's our starter. And you look at him, 1,100 yards, eight. Uh, you got five touchdowns this year on the ground. I think he's proven after that year that he was out due to a foot injury, I believe, last mm. year. He's their guy. He is their number one guy. Uh, pun. He is number one on the field. So <laughs> I think there's a lot good going on there. I think the biggest storyline was that huge monster of a contract that Christian Kirk got, where he at that point was the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL when he got that contract. And a lot of people were like, who? Yeah. Christian Kirk? <laughs> the guy from A&M? Yeah. Who didn't really do much in, in Arizona? And then after that, shifted the wide receiver market because of him. Devontae, Devontae Adams got traded to the Raiders because he wanted more money. Tyreek Hill got traded to the Dolphins because he wanted more money. And you look at Kirk, 84 catches, 1,100 yards, and, and uh, eight touchdowns. I think he has proven very well that he was worth that money alongside two other uh, free agent guys in Zay Jones and Evan Ingram. The, those are their top three receivers. Those are their top three big getters for their offense in the free agency. And I think the Jacksonville Jaguars have done an amazing job to reshape this team yeah. just in one year. And like you mentioned it, Doug Peterson, yeah. do, he, will he get back to the Super Bowl with this team? Who knows? But there's a lot to be excited about for the future of the Jaguars. Totally. And hopefully they're not just like a one and done like they were a couple of years ago with Saxonville. Yeah, no, it, People often wonder, is coaching even important in the NFL? You know, if you have the best guys, the best offense, aren't you going to win? Well, we, we look at what happened. A lot of the same guys are on this team from last year. And look at the night and day difference from when Urban Meyer was at the helm and Doug Peterson is here. They go from how many wins last year? One? I think there were three, three. 13 and one. Whew. To now nine and eight battling the Chargers in a wild card game. In just one year's time, it's uh, it's amazing. And speaking of coaches, I'm sure we'll get into this in the second half. <laughs> Timmy Chang, 
the difference one year can make. When right. you look at where we were at last year this time, talking about what we were talking about with the the ex, the mass exiting of players, right. canceling of a Hawaii Bowl because of COVID, but let's just be honest, there was a lot of other things going on at that time. Coach takes off. We're not sure who we're going to hire. Is June coming back in? Coach Timmy Chang comes in, brings everything back up to speed. I'm thankful we've got him at the helm. And like you said, there that mass exodus we talked about, early signing period brings in 27 new signings or 26. Yeah, it's one 27. or the other. So that's a really big, great big haul for Hawaii football. And there's another signing day. Um, the next transfer window will open up after spring training is done for everyone. So there's a lot of really great possibilities. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys we know is on the radar of Hawaii football that you know are waiting till February. There's a lot of local players out there. A lot of positive stuff out there. I think you mentioned we're com- committing to the run and shoot. Yep. We saw that from Steven Sai's article uh, last week mm-hmm. with uh, – also, Roman Sapolu getting the promotion of becoming the run game coordinator. Yep. So congrats to him. There's a lot of positivity when you look at that one-year sh- uh, culture shift. Yes. Is Urban, My- Urban Meyer and Todd Graham are kind of like that one-to-one in a way there. In some ways. Sure, Todd Graham didn't kick his kicker, but Urban Meyer didn't say the things about Jacksonville's uh, state of uh, – uh, amount of Dr. Pepper in their airports. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Um, w- without throwing too many stones, I'm thankful <laughs> for where we're at right now. Right. Uh, a complete 180-degree culture shift from our team, program in general, coaches, uh, even if they're not from here, taking classes at University of Hawaii's Hawaiian Studies Department, learning about what it means uh, to be a UH warrior, to be a resident of these islands, getting culturally educated so that they can pass on that understanding to our players. It's more than just playing football here. I I tell people all the time, if you're going to be the head coach of University of Hawaii, it's a lot like being the second mayor. Right. Uh, It's so much more about being in the community and, 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 talking with season ticket holders and some might say yeah we do that at other schools too but it's different here in hawaii we don't have anything else this is the big leagues for us and it matters to our season ticket holders and it's like it's like what it says brotherhood you know yeah you bring in the guys from the mainland you let them mingle from the local kids you know they teach them what it's like to live here i think it's Amazing what we do pretty much every single year and now at this point, and hopefully it'll continue to be a long and long transition here um, for Hawaii football with Timmy Chang at the helm. He has, he's got a lot, a lot to work on, whether it be uh, just scoring in general. Run we shoot. would love to do that. Like you said, the run and shoot's going to help a lot. They're pretty much committed to Braden Shager for this offseason because what we've seen so far in quarterback recruiting is uh, John Cavis, Uncle Politele, Put by the way. Congrats, uh, star advertisers, uh, uh, first-team quarterback. Yep. So congrats to him. Can't wait to see if he develops into something. But other than JKS, we haven't seen much in terms of getting guys from the transfer portal or a JUCO guy. Maybe that's something we see as we get closer to the uh, regular National Signing Day You're in You're saying February. that for quarterback? Yeah, for quarterback. So that we get you know more in the room because right now it's just four guys in the room uh, or five guys in the room because yeah. that includes um, uh, Chong from Iolani 
who make, is making his way from Nevada, I believe. Okay. So I actually have a reason for that, and I believe it's tied with our shift back to the run and shoot. Right. Um, to get a group of guys to shift a offensive scheme, offensive identity, how to run that offense, it takes time. It takes um, repetitions. It takes a lot of hands-on teaching from this coaching staff to these players to be able to make that shift. I lived through that shift from Norm Chow's um, pass pro, I mean, um, uh, pass pro offense into the run and shoot whenever Rolo first came in. I, we needed a solid year and a half before we could fully commit to that. And that's the reason why I think they aren't super heavy in the quarterback recruiting because they need to be able to get their guys, teach them, build them up to be able to run this offense effectively. And, you know, we're talking about the shift onto the run to shoot. I'm seeing that we do have a text here from the 233. I'll try to talk slowly. Uh, I like the shift back to the run and shoot. But do you think it's sort of also creating a concerning precedent that it's the only offense that works here, thus limiting future coaching candidate pools? Both Rolovich and Chang attempted their offenses with ultimately not working and were forced to resort back to what's familiar. I see what two three the text from the two three three is saying, and thank you very much for the text. You can read mm-hmm. you can reach us at eight oh eight two nine six fourteen twenty. I was having this thought as well. Um, in the middle of last season where you saw a lot of fans clamoring, we need to go back to the run and shoot. Why aren't we going back to the run and shoot? What are these concepts? I think when you hire a guy like Nick Rolovich, when you hire a guy like June Jones, when you hire a guy like Timmy Chang, when you look at all three of them, the thing that we see that is the consistent line through is that run and shoot offense. Yep. That's what Timmy ran in high school. That's what he ran in college. And sure, as an offensive coordinator, maybe he didn't run a strict run and shoot. He saw Nick Rolovich do much of the same when his playing time in Hawaii football. And, of course, June as well. I think when you look at all three, you got to go back to what's comfortable. And if, if the run and shoot is what's the most comfortable for Timmy to go back to, I'm perfectly okay about it. Yep couple things here. Each team in all of college football has an identity. You look at Georgia Tech, they still run the triple option veer. Same with the uh, Air Force. Uh, SEC schools are going to run a power offense, just cram it down your throat because they have the size to be able to do so. Hawaii's identity, which was shifted back whenever June Jones changed the logo, changed <laughs> uh, everything about University of Hawaii, what we were going to be able to do made that shift to the run and shoot, and it allowed us to work in the trenches where we may not be able to get the same sort of recruited guys here. We're not going to get the four-star guys. We're not going to get the five-stars. We need to battle in the last chance use, the, the guys that bounce back from junior college. Uh, we need to be the transfer portal hounds l- looking right. for those guys, which this coaching staff is really good about doing. The run and shoot allows us to use undersized, underspeed guys at the maximum possibility of their potential to score a lot of points. It fits our identity. And then plus you need coaches that understand it. So that's part of the, this, uh, the, 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 this identity that is being created at Univers- university of Hawaii by this coaching staff. And we've tried it in the past. Norm Chow tried to bring in 
a a standard power five offense. Right. You just can't recruit the same way. Um, Todd Graham tried to reinvent this thing called uh, the run and gun, which who knew what that was? Uh, I knew a lot of running was going on. A lot on. of running was I'm not going sure on. Not sure about the gun. Not a lot of scoring. Um, you know, we're not going to try to throw too many people under the bus here, but uh, thank you again for the text. It, it has a lot to do with the identity that we're trying to create and the marketing pitch that we're selling to our recruits right. whenever we get them to come. And like you, like you were talking about, when you think about Hawaii, what do you think about first? I mean, let's think about our most recent success with Nick Rolovich. Who do we see that success with? Guys like Cedric Bird. John Ursua, yep. Jojo Ward, Dylan Colley before Dylan that. Dylan Colley. You can see though that archetype of wide receiver that's not necessarily going to be super successful. They're not your five-star wide receivers. Nope. But one of what they are, they're small, they're fast, they're smart. and they're shifty, they're smart. You can succeed with guys like that, and all you need is a guy like a Cole McDonald you know, who can <laughs> sling the ball. That's I right. think that's a very understatement of his talents there. But – we're talking about the run and shoot. We'll talk about more about Hawaii football. We're talking about more about football in general. There's so much going on in the world of sports right now. This Let's Talk Sports with Tanner Hayworth, Hunter Hughes. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth alongside Hunter Hughes. We're talking a lot about football we're talking about the NFL playoffs I mean there's a whole nother whole other part of the NFL that we're not talking about it's all these coaching vacancies that are going on sure we only saw one firing yesterday on Black you're Monday you're fired you're fired Cliff Kingsbury it's the firing time of the year yeah so unfortunately for Cliff Kingsbury he just signed that new five-year extension uh turns out that yeah much like college football coaches uh NFL owners can just tell coaches when they don't want to have them on anymore either. So, <laughs> and then you also see their GM, Steve Kime, also stepping away due to health issues. He also inked a five-year extension a year prior. And now you see Kyler Murray, who now is probably not going to play until what? Comfortably past the halfway point of next season. Well, he also just signed a five-year extension. Yeah. And so what are the Cardinals trying to do right now? Rebuild. They're trying to trade DeAndre Hopkins, according to Jordan Schultz from The Score. Wow. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who um, follow follow a theme here. Mm-hmm. He just signed a new extension with the Arizona Cardinals a season ago where it did have a no-trade clause in. So wherever Nuke is going, he's going to also have to have some kind of approval there. When you look at the Arizona Cardinals, and I'm not even talking about just this season, but just as a franchise – are they kind of the most eh, NFL franchise of all of them? Because I've never been super impressed by the Cardinals other mm. than their one Super Bowl run year. But they're always also in that limbo of like 7 to 15 with their draft choices. Mm. Like they've never been, oh my God, they're terrible. But they've also never been, oh my God, they're super good. I've always found them as just eh. <laughs> 
can we get that sound bite just like <laughs> immortalized? And so we just play eh, from Tanner. Anytime I see the Arizona yeah, Cardinals, right. anytime that, I hear them mentioned. You know, it's a good point. This is the first year with HBO's Hard Knocks that they've taken an in-season look at a team. And so – Oh, second year. They did the Colts last year. Okay, thank you. We, we get unprecedented access to teams going week in, week out during an NFL season, the grind that right. that, that is. But – you get an interesting perspective on what this team is made of. And even with J.J. Watt there, the team was without a leader. It's no question in my mind why they had the record that they had. The culture seemed brutal, even though they had, you know, sparingly a few really right up there with – top-tier guys in the NFL, maybe the best wide receiver that's available, right. one of the best historically D linemen in J.J. Watt, and then you've got Kyler Murray as the quarterback. You think right there those three are enough to kind of glue – and then Buda Baker, sorry, right. um, one of the best safeties out there as well. That might be enough to glue a team together, but you watch it, and they were without any sort of togetherness whenever you see them. And as a former player, that goes hand-in-hand with winning. I was going to say, I tried to watch a little bit of it this year. And I will say, the one one way I can describe when you're watching these guys on Hard Knocks in season, eh. <laughs> wow. I mean, like, there's just no, there's no, like, kick to anything that the Cardinals have done the last years. I think the biggest thing, the biggest news story when I think about the Arizona Cardinals is the huge mansion that Cliff Kingsbury used That's to right. live in when they had that uh, camera on him in the draft where he was just all by himself in this vast living feet room. Yeah. Just feet up, just watching the TV, you know, just looking like, yeah, I guess I'm an NFL head coach here. But when I'm looking at that job, I got to say that's got to be one of the, the, the least sought-after job. That is a job that's going to take a lot, a lot of work. And it's going to take someone that's really going to want to just get just to get any kind of culture into that franchise. No coach in Arizona Cardinals history, I think, in the last 100 years has stayed longer than six years. Mm. And we talked about a guy like – with, when we were talking with Kevin in the first segment, when he was talking Tomlin. about Mike Tomlin, sure, he may not be a big fan there, but we know what Mike Tomlin brings. We know what the who who the Steelers are and what they bring every single season. We know what John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens are going to be bringing every single season. When you have a constant flux of culture, I mean, to bring up a, a very famous – a very famous quote from a former Arizona Cardinals head coach. Mm. We are who they thought they were. Yeah. Every year. It, they just end up seeing being just this average team that if they put some more effort into it, I would feel like they could become a powerhouse. Yeah. When Bruce Arians was there with Carson Palmer, that that was magic in a bottle that season. And they were almost there if it weren't for Cam Newton and that stellar yeah. MVP season he was having. Yeah. But other than that one or two seasons with Bruce Arians, Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald, other than that, it, this the this franchise is just such like a just like a stale cracker. Yeah, you know you, you bring up culture and some of the other coaches that I think about that are being tapped 
to maybe take one of these opening jobs. I think about Dan Quinn, the DC for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not leaving that job. <laughs> Why would I leave one of the the top tier organizations in all of professional sports? It's in my mind, and you already got your best defensive players there. You got Micah Parsons. You got Trayvon you've got, Diggs. You got a solid three, four, maybe even five years, depending on other draft picks that they can throw in there, of solid Super Bowl runs with this team. Where else are you going to find that? And, you know, in one of these teams that is looking for a head coach, the the Denver Broncos, the Arizona Cardinals, um, I don't, if I'm, you know, a guy like Dan Quinn, I am comfy up there in that skybox in Jerry World. Especially when you look at the last time he was a head coach, I'm not, not to like bring it on to him. He didn't really find all of their big stars when he was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons either. Mm. They they had Matt Ryan, they already had Julio Jones, and he also had this guy at offensive coordinator. I don't know if you've heard of him, Kyle Shanahan, who right now has been one of the best head coaches in the last couple of years, yep. despite his shortcomings in the NFL playoffs. Mm-hmm. When you look at the Cardinals, you know exactly who they want. They want a guy like. Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell has come into the Detroit Lions organization. Love that guy. Absolutely found the culture of Detroit. Yes. And just wrangled it and made sure it stayed in that locker room. He's brought a bunch of A1 guys like Aaron Glenn, who was the former, uh, I think he was a, I don't, he wasn't a defensive coordinator at New Orleans. He might have been. I know he's a defensive coach, at least in New Orleans, but he's done a great job with that defense. Ben Johnson is probably one of the most— He was the only guy without a coat on in Green Bay (laughs) on the sideline. I don't know if you saw that. That guy was awesome. But Ben Johnson, I mean, I won't be surprised if he gets taken away for another job somewhere else, but Mm. prior to this year, no one I don't think anyone knew who Ben Johnson was because when you look at that, you look at a a couple of guys on that coaching staff, you see the names, and you're like, Ben Johnson? Mm-hmm. Now, that's just like a regular regular old guy. But you look at the revitalization of Jared Goff's career, who's finally starting to look like that number one overall pick yeah. from, a, what, a, a couple of years ago. I don't know. is I can't remember exactly the year of the draft. But they have a lot of young guys that are developing and developing. And that team next year is probably going to be a contender. So if you're the Arizona Cardinals, you're trying to find a guy that can – you know, muster up his own culture and really just, really just, you know, start biting off kneecaps off people to take it away from Dan Campbell there. I, you know, give Kurt Warner a call. Give Larry Fitzgerald a call. Uh, call we, up Josh McCann. You know, we, we, <laughs> we just, we see this, we see what happened in Indiana with Ursay giving Saturday a call literally on a weekend. Right. And was like, you want to be the coach by next week? And they, made that switch just right. like that. And he's won a couple of games. There there needs to be someone in my mind that is respected by current players that would come alongside them, have seen them win for that team in the past. It, In some ways, in the same way that, you know, University of Hawaii changed our mold in new coach every four years. Right. That's what we're really banking on with Timmy right, right. now is – longevity the next 10 15 years him being our guy yeah i think some of these organizations need to break that mold with bringing in a random coach and lock in with 
someone that fits your organization. And there are a lot of guys out there. Like when I look at the Houston Texans and that unfortunate firing for Lovey Smith, because well, that's what not like one year, one year. Yeah. We all knew Lovey Smith was going to get fired. Yeah. Even when he was hired, we all knew about that. But when I look at them, there's a guy out there that I'm, I'm doing everything I can to bring him in, and that's D'Amico Ryans, mm. the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Because not only is he the leader of the best defense in the NFL, mm. he's a former Texan. Yeah. So. If I am Nick Casario, I think that's who the GM is. I am doing everything I can. I'm calling up the agent. I'm asking him what his favorite beer is. I'm asking (laughs) him what his favorite place to eat is. I'm asking him what climate he likes to live in. I'm trying to find my best ways I can land this guy. And, you know, with the Cardinals, I can't think of a guy like that immediately. But that job is going to be something to look at for the next couple of years. Because I don't know if they find their guy immediately. Because like we saw from last year, there are a couple of duds that happen. You look at, what, Nathaniel Hackett yeah. from Broncos. I think they were smart to just say eh, to that yeah. because I don't think that was ever going to work out because it was just the same old answers every single week. We'll try to get better. We'll try to get better yeah. until his offensive linemen start pushing his backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. So when you – the Cardinals – it's going to be a long rebuild, and I'm sure the two or three Cardinals fans are like, oh, no. Yeah. But, yeah. <sighs> the Arizona Cardinals, man, they get they just get on my nerve. I think what gets me mostly is that their jerseys also are just boring mm. when you look at them. Because it's, it's not like they're same old boring jerseys like back what, in the two th- earlier 2000s. Tanner just, just handed out L's to the Arizona Cardinals today, Yeah, folks. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure that it. like everyone's going to be super offended by the rate of which I'm going in on the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> but I just feel like it needs to be said that they are just the most baseline bad franchise, if you ever have to point at one throughout all of the four major sports when I'm thinking about that. Man, oh, I'm – I, I can't necessarily disagree with you, but, uh, you know, we, we got to take a break right now. This has been Let's Talk Sports at ESPN Honolulu. Let's Talk Sports with Tanner Hayworth and Hunter Hughes on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, join us for Call the Coach with Aran Ganat tomorrow at 6 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday. In the Moanalua Shopping Center, you can get the latest on UH basketball, meet Coach Ganat, and win prizes too from ESPN Honolulu. You can also see Josh Pacheco. Maybe he'll do his little half stand-up he did at the Diamond Head Classic, you know, (laughs) show it off a little bit, show off what it looks like to be, you know, one of the elite play-by-play guys out there. This is not on the live read. I thought I got it. I got a new copy last week, actually. That says all of that. I'm not sure who it's from, though. But when you, <laughs> but definitely looking, definitely looking forward to that. There's a lot of really great stuff going on this week for just UH sports in general. Like we said, you know, call the coach tomorrow, Ruby Tuesday, with Ron Gannat. We have the start of the men's volleyball season on uh, Thursday and Friday against Ball State. Chirp, chirp. Uh, this this was the Ball State team that we went to last season and got beat when we were down Jakob Tella, 
Guilherme Voss and Chaz Galloway, and who we eventually did beat in the NCAA. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Friday night is banner night, so make sure you get your tickets there. I know season tickets were very low last time I saw them, so you still got your chance. Individual tickets are definitely out. A lot of stuff going on for UH this weekend. Of course, going on this weekend is also the NFL playoffs. Nice. And when I'm looking at the slate of games, I'm looking at all these matchups between two and seven uh, against threes and six, fours and fives. When I'm looking at these games, the one game I'm looking at, I'm looking at the New York Giants and I'm looking at the Minnesota Vikings, the Vikings at home. And I'm looking at the Vikings this entire season. And Scott, Scott Robbs, if you're listening, you can go ahead and just plug your ears a little bit. I think the Giants are going to beat the Vikings. Wow. Danny is going to dime up this defense. I think Brian Dayball has done an amazing job with this Giants team. Heavily depleted at the wide receiver room. Probably the worst wide receiver group in the NFL. Mm -hmm. But Saquon Barkley has looked great. Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, has looked like he's finally grown into his size. Sure, you got the young Evan Neal, you know not doing great in pass sets, but if you can rely on Saquon Barkley and Danny Dimes to do his thing in the air and also, hey, he's athletic, he can run the ball too, I think the Vikings are going to do what they do whenever they go against good teams. They're going to choke this year. And, you know, unfortunately for Scott Robbs, I'm feeling good about the New York Giants. Woo! I like it. That's that's a hot take. You know, I I don't necessarily have that game circled. Uh, to me, it's the Monday night game, Cowboys against the Bucks. Going to see how um, how much Brady wants it. And you know, I, I, as I say that, it's really it it's actually not up to Brady. That they, they, they clearly don't have the same team they had uh, two years ago. And it's been a frustrating year. The fact that they're even in a wild card situation is pretty amazing. Um, but uh, it is Tom Brady. He is one of the greatest of all time. You, you can't help but watch whenever he does play. And I'm uh, I'm looking forward to see if Micah Parsons can't come around the end and uh, clean him up a little bit. When I'm looking at that game, I'm not thinking much of whether or not Brady wants it or not. I'm thinking about one guy. Rain Dakota Prescott. Mm. Dak missed five games this year. He is tied in the he is tied for the lead in interceptions with Davis Mills. He has the same amount of pick sixes as Davis Mills as well at number one. I think Dak Prescott has to look like rookie Dak Prescott again, or at least his second year. Yeah. He has never been as good in the NFL as he was when he was a rookie. And when I'm looking at this team, sure, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're dealing with a lot of injuries. That's been their main issue pretty much all year. But Dak Prescott, they're coming off that uh, just a bad loss to the Washington Commanders led by rookie Sam Howell. Yeah. And look, I liked Sam Howell at UNC. Sam Howell is not going to be a guy that's going to be dotting you up in the NFL. So it's just the Cowboys just always have this – are just so enamored of being so great in the regular season yep. and just seem to just never make it in the postseason, whether it be in the first round or the second round. Well, most of the time in the first round yeah. for the Dallas Cowboys. I see we are running close to the clock. Um, 
I've had a great time. I know you had a great time, Hunter. Absolutely. Glad always. to see you again. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, this is... Uh, <laughs> Let's Sorry. talk sports. I, I went a little bit too quick there. <laughs> I saw a little head shake from Josh there. This has been Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu.